Welcome to Workers Rock, a podcast that explores the fact that we have the power to change the culture of employment across the globe. I'm Emmerette Miller, the host of Workers Rock, part of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. You're listening to Episode 4, The Four-Day Workweek, with Dr. Dale Wheelahan, who lives and works in Dublin, Ireland, the CEO of Four-Day Week Global. All right. Welcome to Workers Rock. We're here with Dr. Dale Wheelahan from Four-Day Workweek Global. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. What time is it out there in Dublin? It is two o'clock in the evening and we are having our first day of sunshine in about three weeks, hence my great mood today. It sounds like Rochester. I'd be right (laughs) at home there. (laughs) Awesome. So all the rage, four-day work week, we can only dream here in the United States about it. I don't know if I went to Ireland and I got a job, what I'd expect. What is the norm now? Let's start with Dublin, Ireland, the work week there now, like the expectation. Yeah, so I mean, Ireland, to be honest, is not hugely different with regards to working culture um, when compared to the US or the UK. In fact, I think Ireland, relative to maybe some of the other European countries, has a much more capitalistic culture towards towards work. So in many instances, you will typically find the 40 plus hours of work in, in many Irish workplaces. And I suppose our proximity to London and the work that we do with London often influences that, as well as our relationship, uh, particularly with the East Coast uh, of America and particularly international companies in that space. So we are probably, uh, we despite being the first country who, which produced pilot studies of a 48 week we're probably not the the leading organization or the leading country when it comes to working time reduction, but we are part of the continent that probably is, which is Europe. European working time reduction has obviously been at the forefront of you know the European Union for many decades now. And what we do as an organization is actually run pilot studies across the world, not just in Europe, advocating and showing the, the business case for reduced working hours for people, for business and for society. Dr. Wheelahan, tell me about 180-100. So with the 180-100 principle is our trademark principle, which we use on companies in their transition to reduce working hours. When people hear the term 40 a week, it kind of terrifies them because they think, how could I possibly reduce my working time by 20%? There is so much to do. And that scares business leaders quite a lot. So 180, 100 is 100% pay, 80% time, but 100% output. So you're providing that guarantee to employers that actually your business performance should not be impacted through the reduction in working time. And what that does is it creates an intervention for organizations that is focused on actually optimizing um, work processes, work culture, leadership in a way to effectively reduce working time and cut out all the noise essentially. And I think having that equation and being able to show whether you're meeting those, you know, criteria is a really useful guide for organizations uh, in helping to reduce working time. Where have you seen this successful in industries or countries? Where is it thriving? 
So I would say that the two main continents, I suppose, leading out on the case are Australasia and Europe. And that's, I suppose, because work-life balance has traditionally been better in those two continents. So we have published findings from from Europe and from Australasia, um, but we've also produced it from South Africa and from North America as well. What is, by and large, I suppose, the... The broad theme is that anyone who does actually go about reducing working hours is going to experience the benefits of it for their employees when it comes to reduction in stress, improvement in performance. From a team level, you see much more group cohesion. From an organization's performance, productivity is either maintained or improved. So the cohesive narrative, I suppose, is that organizations in our trials find this by and large positive endeavor. When we look at the breakdown of companies that are engaging in trials, there is a bias currently towards those professional services organizations where a four-day week in its most traditional form of maybe closing the office on a Friday or on a Monday is probably the easiest transition for some of them. But we also have many case studies from non-traditional sectors like manufacturing and from healthcare uh, and elsewhere who have brought in much more innovative techniques with regards to reducing working time and having to think a little bit more macro around the cost-benefit analysis of that. So to give you an example, in healthcare, you may have to actually hire additional staff because you're a 24-7 business, but the actual cost may end up being negligible because you might be relying on agency staff to fill the voids in your current staffing structure. So they're kind of the the insights that we're beginning to see in sectors where maybe they think a four-day week is not for us, but actually could be a solution to some of their bigger HR issues. Okay, so do you challenge organizations or countries themselves in the public sector, perhaps? Because I see that's where it's kind of in fashion, is in the public sector, governments will do it and they'll start it. Is that where you see it, the seed planted in the public sector first? How does this enter into society? So I, I think the movement has grown so exponentially over the last you know, 18 months. In fact, when I was originally involved in this campaign, consistently we were told a four-day week will never work full stop. Whereas now the narrative is a four-day week will work in certain sectors, just not mine. Which means that we're just, we're constantly chipping away at that big block. I think actually in contrary, private sector and small and medium enterprises have been the ones who have led on the cause. So they've been the ones experimenting and showing that this is something that can work. It is actually much more difficult for the public sector to do something like this because of the bureaucracy involved in decision making and the public perception of something like this. So we see public sector trials launching this year in Belgium and in Scotland and and the UK have also had some public sector trials as well. But they have been met with a large amount of negative media uh, and political thought that this is something that's not, that the taxpayer should be funding. Um, And that means that we still have a long way to go in changing the cultural narrative around what we are rewarding. Are we rewarding people's time or are we rewarding people's performance? And that's ultimately what a four-day week is trying to do, shift shift that perspective. Of course, because work is a social construct. This is something that was invented and imposed on us in order to survive. And we have the weekend because someone told us that's the way it is. And it has become the norm widely across the world. Are there places in the world still who still normalize the six day work week? Like, are there places that are 
worse off than the norm that we see. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the one market that we have really struggled to tap into is Asia. And I think it's because some countries in Asia were starting on a completely different, you know, sphere. Like we're looking at reducing working hours from maybe 50 or 60 hours down to 40 hours. So actually that 180, 100 is less looking at a four day week, but actually reducing it down to maybe a five day week. And one of the counterpoints I often get is if, you know, the US and, and Europe decides to reduce its working time, won't China and other countries in Asia and India just increase their working time and suddenly it becomes this unequal, you know, uh, productivity kind of race against one another. And To get ahead, right, for their economy. Yeah. But, but, you know, I think, isn't it better for children, for families to have parents more present in the home because there's that extra day or that extra time to care for them and to bond and to foster the family model and yeah because i think we need to start looking at we spend about a third of our lives in work so that is obviously going to have a positive or negative impact on our world so when it comes to family units and social cohesion within communities when it comes to our health when it comes to creating equity within society when it comes to creating a sustainable world and I think what the world of work at the moment is heading in a ne- more negative trend in all of those spaces. People are complaining of burnout. The world's burning around us and we're burning out in the process. And what we need to do is turn the tide on creating a much more sustainable world. In order to do that, though, we need people to not feel exhausted all of the time. So that's where this analogy of working smarter, not longer, is about accessing an untapped human potential uh, which exists within us through working less and being more more rested when we when we return to work so when an organization introduces this for the first time do they work with four-day work week global or are there experts who can come in and help them plan like how does an organization do this So traditionally, what we would have done is six-month pilot programs. So we will support organizations in a a pre-trial kind of change management program. So we bring them through the journey of, why are you doing a four-day week? So actually, that's the most important thing is, is this being done for your staff's well-being? Is it being done for attracting and retaining talent? Is it being done because you want to be seen to be doing something like this. So that motivation is actually really critical in the first instance. And that's where you begin to get an understanding of leaders and the type of leaders that are going to model either the right or wrong behaviours in the implementation of a four-day week. Um, So we kind of coach organisations that this is a journey for you. We're bringing you from a very fixed mindset of this is how work is done and this is how work has always been done to actually saying, you know, throw it all up in the ceiling and let's recreate and redesign. And there's some simple things that we can do, like quick wins. So we can reduce meeting time. We can, you know, make it, make some ways of working which are much more deliberate, like restructuring your week for individual work versus teamwork versus a maximum of an hour on emails, being much more deliberate with forms of communication. All of these things that we know can help reduce working time. But fundamentally, what we're trying to do is change organizational culture to recognize that actually rest and recovery is critical to in order for us to work to our fullest potential and individuals might not see that in the first few weeks but as they go through the pilot they begin to realize oh my god i feel much more energized my work is much more clear uh, kpis are much more you know uh, transparent 
and I am working towards achieving a goal as opposed to working towards filling the time void. Yeah, you know, here in the public sector where I work, my nine to five, um, we have lots of holidays on Mondays throughout. So it creates this sort of feeling of the four day work week that it teases us. And then we're so energized when we come back to work and then we long for those weeks because we get the work done in the four days that we're there. It's not like we're missing out because everything sort of stops at the same time. You're not coming back to work with hundreds of emails in your inbox because you decided to take a vacation day. So everyone stopped at the same time and then we go. Um, What about schools in this model? Is that something that's coming down the pike too, is to actually have it where not only work, but education one day? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you look at education is, is unique because there is an additional stakeholder group in education, not just the public, not just like shareholders or the board of directors. You have parents um, and whether parents actually want their kids in a four day school week. And we have seen many uh, districts in the US actually bring in versions of a four day week. I think Ohio actually is one of the, the leading states on it. And they bring it in in different ways. So they may have the four-day week for teachers only, so that teachers' rotas are scheduled in such a way that only they're in four days a week. Uh, Or they may do it in such a way that teachers and students are having four-day weeks, so the school does close on a Friday or a Wednesday or whatever it is. Uh, Or for some other instances, then they may have a non-teaching day. So they may have the option for students to come in and study, to do extracurricular, co-curricular, and you know have a, a more skeletal staffing structure on those sort of days um i think the emergence of more digital forms of of education are also helping with this transition so it shouldn't be a, a foreign thought that in a few years time the idea of sc- kids going to school five days a week is not going to be you know there people will be learning in new and different ways and in different places um and i think you know it's just taking a few leaders in the space of education to, to provide that blueprint of how others can do it. So are you working on the U.S. as a project? Like, is this something that is a priority in your, your reach? Yeah, so we are, we, we went from being a very small advocacy group to being named on Time Magazine's most influential companies last year. And you know, that has led, I mean, it's amazing to be a team of 12 to be named amongst, you know, Kim Kardashian skins and open AI. Um, but I suppose the conversation is growing at such a rate that like, you know, we're constantly trying to keep up with it and grow and evolve and get the front of what is now an emerging market uh, of reduced working time, you know, advice. So we have different offerings now to try and cater to those markets needs for those organizations wishing to do a pilot, we are now doing global English speaking pilots. So any organization across the world who wants to do that can join a pilot in March or in September. We also have a six hour foundation kind of course for people who want to just learn about this kind of themselves and try and adapt it uh, in their own organizations. And then for larger or more non-traditional you know, sectors, we have consulting as well uh, as an option for them for something a bit more bespoke. Lastly, what's going to be critical and something that we're plugging the gap on is uh, accreditation. So actually, what does a good four-day week organization look like? 
And so we're launching an accreditation program next month, which will give us an idea of which companies are actually doing good four-day weeks versus which ones are saying that they have four-day weeks, but maybe aren't actually implementing them um, in their fullest philosophy. We have our staff is based across five continents. So yes, North America remains a, a critical marketplace for us, um, but it's vast, it's huge. Like it's it's so hard to, to know. And it's very much the East and West Coast businesses that have been involved uh, in our trials to date. So it'd be nice to get some more in the middle of America and, and further down south. Another part of the organization that we kind of support with and what the US has been quite unique in is in the conversation around state-sponsored trials. And we have seen some legislators from Massachusetts and from Pennsylvania bringing forth um, recommendations for uh, state-sponsored trials in the public and private sector. So we've been involved in endorsing them and supporting them. Our lead researcher is in Boston College, so we have quite a big sphere of influence um, in that part of the East Coast. And we sponsored... um, Congressman Mark Ticano's 32-hour Working Act bill in the House of Representatives as well. So we have worked with uh, and worked with Senator Sanders' uh, uh, team as well. Bernie? Yeah. um, With regards to helping build the business case for reduced working hours coupled with the emergence of AI. So, Of course. So AI is coming in and essentially taking our work, replacing us enriching corporations, but what of the consumers? We won't have any money to spend if we can't make it. Yeah, this is my, I have a bit of an optimistic uh, outlook on AI. And I think this is an opportunity for us now. So technology was the great uh, fear that it was gonna take away jobs as well. and thankfully it didn't. People created new jobs and new roles and we saw this exponential growth in productivity with the emergence of AI or with the emergence of technology. AI has the potential to do something similar. I don't know if increase in productivity in what we think of as productivity is the way forward. In fact, just producing more and more and more is becoming increasingly an unsustainable model for us. What the world is crying out for is customized, individualized, authentic, you know, products and services. Right. And AI is not going to be able to provide that for us. It will be able to provide us with an algorithm. It will be able to provide us with the MVP. But ultimately, humans are social creatures that require human connection. And I think that is what the future of work with AI is going to look like. AI is going to help us do things that are repetitive and arduous and use up a lot of our brain energy, thus freeing up our time to be able to exploit parts of ourselves that we have not, we haven't been able to because we've been so exhausted all the time. And they are things like empathy, emotional regulation, better decision making, better human connection. I think that's going to be an an exploding industry over the next few years. And I say that because loneliness is becoming an epidemic in the world. It used to just be something amongst older people. Now one in four young people are reporting being lonely. So there's obviously going to be a market need for something to, to resolve that. So many benefits to that model. Um, for us, it's the FLSA. It's the standard. It, it's something that's that's where we have to go and take a hammer and break it and reform it. It's been so long since anything major has been done here in the U.S. Um 
And, and so you're based in Ireland. Do you feel that that's ground zero for this? The, is Dublin crawling with organizations that have a four day work week? I, before you go say this, I tried to book you on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> they were all blocked out. Yeah. Right? I've got to practice what I preach. Exactly. So your day is Friday. So your Friday, Saturday, Sunday as your weekend. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and my team, you know, if anything, this has proven to me like 40, I never said implementing a four day week was easy. Um, like we have it in our own team, you know, and we're across five continents. And, you know, that makes things quite complicated, but you have to be super deliberate. And I think that's what leadership lacks is deliberate like how being much more deliberate about the work that we're doing and whether it's actually leading to a return of investment and being being agile enough to actually say this is not serving us a purpose anymore yes we might have invested money into this tool but it's actually not working for us we need to drop the ball and try something different so i have failed several times over uh, in this role uh, with regards to trying to get you know the, the right balance between performance of our staff and time off and it is it is constantly evolving as the organization evolves. So you have to have that trust with your staff that this is a collective endeavor to try and make this work. Um, it's not all on me as management. Where I wouldn't say Dublin is ground zero, but how we have been so successful to date is because we have been running pilot studies across the world. So we have been getting organizations who are willing to trial this, we've been supporting them. We have academics independently evaluating the outcomes. So therefore we have rigorous and valid data, which we then are able to collect into a report and spray and pray into the media, which gobbles it up. And once you have that collective social pressure, then that's how the movement begins to emerge. Um, so you see more what was originally small and medium enterprises only, we have some larger organizations now saying, oh, I want to be the first in, you know, insurance to try this. And so we have Medibank, which is the largest private health insurance company in Australia, now doing a four day week. And they're creating a ripple effect across their industry. Um, we then have the public sector looking at, oh my God, how are we going to compete with the private sector now who wants a four day week? We must try get on with the four day week. And similar with the not-for-profit sector. So it is really about that social contagion and trying to, the war for talent and the war for an employee value proposition that's going to remain competitive, particularly with Gen Z, which is requiring something very different from the world of work. And lastly, I would say is that, you know, we, we run pilots now in by and large Western countries, but we've published results in south africa we have plans to go into further parts of south africa we've just launched a pilot in brazil and it's important that you know we're getting this message as 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 truly global as possible so we work and we partner with locals in countries who are really passionate about this cause and they're actually the ones driving the pilots at the national level so we have a pilot now just launched in germany forthcoming ones in france uh, Belgium, Sweden, Norway, Netherlands, Spain, and that just becomes unavoidable then for businesses to, you know, put their head in the sands and say, okay, this doesn't work when suddenly all of this data is emerging, you know, 
and data more importantly in their own countries is emerging. Right. We we actually run this. Workers decide where they work. They decide if they stay. They decide what jobs they apply for. So if I see a four-day work week and a hybrid, oh, oh, no question. I'm I'm applying to that and so will others. Um, what can people do to support the movement? So I think there's there's a few different things. Um the first thing is have a look at we have resources on our website around how you can persuade your boss. And you really need to look at this from a very strategic comms point of view. Yes, you want a four-day week, but it needs to work for business. And as a business leader, you know, I need to know that the bottom line is going to be maintained or improved as a result of this intervention. So instead of framing it as something that this is good for work-life balance or for people's well-being, which is great, that's not what's going to help the CEO or the CFO make the implementation. Ultimately, this is a human resource transformation intervention, and you are going to get more out of your people by actually creating a, a world of work that is much more congruent with the type of work that they are doing. So you're trying to look at numbers. Where could you actually save money by implementing something like this and bringing solutions instead of problems to uh, management? Secondly, we have our offerings. So if organizations are, are willing to jump the mark or at their different stages of that, you know, have a look at our offerings and see whether that's something that you guys can, you know, uh, subscribe to. We have an advocates network as well, which we often look for support and we kind of help provide campaign material and stuff like that to build it in your local place, whether it's Wisconsin or Mexico or wherever it is, uh, which is obviously helpful for the cause. Uh, and lastly, we're launching our social mission, which is to create a million new years of free time. And that is ultimately to help create a four-day world. So this year, we're looking a little bit more macro at the concept of what would a four-day world look like and what might be the implications on that for creating solutions around climate crisis, uh, growing public health issues around chronic disease, uh, growing inequities within economies. And so we will be looking for fundraising, both small and large donations, in order to help us sponsor uh, research in that space. So if people are working uh, or have access to that as an opportunity, we would absolutely love that as well. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dr. Wheelahan from Dublin, Forte Week Global. Where can they find you? Where can we find you online? So we're on 4dayweek.com um, and you can check us out on all the socials, 4 Week Global. We are we are constantly publishing up-to-date research in the world of work and the future of work. So even if you just want to keep in the loop around uh, what's happening globally around reduced working hours or flexible working, um, we're always sharing new content there. Thank you for coming on Workers Rock today. I appreciate you. And Thank you so much for having me. All right. And I uh, look forward to seeing what you can do for the U.S. and the world as far as work is concerned, I'd like a day off per week. Let's aim, let's aim to get you there. Thank you. <laughs> that concludes this episode of Workers Rock. Thank you for listening.